on Saturday, the uh, Tap House in St. Elmo, Tap House Chattanooga in St. Elmo, agreed to let us stream the match at their restaurant. They uh, they were really, really generous, allowed us to plug in my Fire Stick in the back of their TV and uh, have access to their Wi-Fi so we could get the streaming app working. Um, so go see Tap House. Check them out. Uh, great great uh, bar, lots of beer selections, pretty good food, and a really cool atmosphere, and uh, have been very supportive of the Red Wolves. So, yeah, definitely check them out. It was uh, it was a really rainy day, and we got home, and I didn't have my streaming service plugged in the back of my living room TV anymore. So I went digging through the old DVD case and found a classic of uh, Bloodsport. Have you seen Bloodsport? I'm going to be honest here. You mentioned it the other day, and I acted like I have. I have not seen Bloodsport. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Ah, okay. Plays a... <clears throat> He he uh he gets trained in the ways of martial arts by a uh, Japanese person who becomes like a father to him. He goes to a full contact martial arts tournament in Hong Kong and takes on all of the competitors. So I part of the hook is he is some kind of army special forces and of course they don't want him to go and get his neck broken. So there's Forrest Whitaker and some other old guy chasing him all through Hong Kong while he's trying to fight in this tournament. And uh, there's lots of lots of great 80s fight montages, as well as the slowed down montage when he has to, you know, try to overcome whatever adversity he's facing. And, you know, he's riding alone on a bus as, as the 80s ballad is playing. My favorite part, there is a guy, probably even twice your size, that he's fighting against in a particular round. And as the guy is reaching to grab hold of him and basically bear hug him to death, which is this guy's main move, Jean-Claude Van Damme goes into the splits and gives him an uppercut in the twig and berries. Oh, geez. And that's how he wins the fight. <laughs> so, so needless I to say my eight year old son enjoyed the movie. <laughs> I, I think I've actually seen parts of that movie now that you're describing that scene on either TBS or USA Network. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Bloodsport was definitely one of those staples from our childhood when it was Saturday or Sunday afternoon and mom was at the grocery store and dad was asleep on the couch. Bloodsport, A-Team reruns, you know, that, that was pretty much the wheelhouse there. Soccer chat with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. Welcome to Episode 7, presented by Golden Goal Press and Roughneck Scars. And as always, we are part of the Beautiful Game Network. Um, we don't have a game to review because, unfortunately, weather was not in our favor down in um, South Georgia as lightning did delay and then ultimately cancel the game. Uh, there was a watch party held, as Alex referenced earlier, at the Tap House. Um, good times were had. We still enjoyed ourselves. Still had some good um, drinks and such and some good camaraderie. But disappointment that the game didn't happen, uh, to say the least. 
Yeah, it was a huge bummer. Kind of a double whammy in that had we known the game was not going to be played, we could have all gone around the corner to David Stanton Field and watched the Lady Red Wolves. Which, once again, those Lady Red Wolves uh, are proving to be uh, a force to be reckoned with within the WPSL. I mean, they have uh, continually shown uh, resilience when it comes to the defensive end and got a very strong uh, one nothing win over the weekend. So uh, congrats to them. And they're playing a lot of really back-to-back style games. They're playing like a game on Friday and then a game on Sunday. So those Sunday games are not, you know, I mean, they're playing, like I said, if it's not, you're seeing them play a lot of games within two, three days. They're not spread out nearly as much as the men's games are. No, it definitely is like two games each weekend, just about. I think this weekend they only had the one on Saturday. Yeah, um, You're right. A lot of good defensive composure. I think another thing that helps them, they do a very good job of possessing the ball. It keeps the other team from really being able to mount any kind of attack that would cause them a lot of defensive issues. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good it's a good atmosphere to be at, and it is disappointing that you know we kind of were somewhat forced into the do we watch the men's game, do we go watch the women's game live, and try to avoid social media and watch the men's game on tape delay. I think hindsight, we obviously would have gone to the women's game. Um, you also got a chance on Sunday to head down and go to the Dalton Red Bulls game. Uh, is this your second or third time down there? So we actually went Friday as well. Friday night they played South Carolina, not maybe not South Carolina, Carolina Discoveries. I don't know who they are. I don't want to be too hot takey on here, but they were um, they they were very very classless on the field. There was not a single time that referee blew the whistle that they did not start swearing at him in confusion about the fact that they might have possibly fouled a guy. And there was never a time they were fouled by a Red Wolf that they didn't get up screaming like it was some kind of dirty cheap shot, again, with tons of swearing. Um, It made the game incredibly ugly, hard to watch. Um, But Dalton Red Wolves did come out on top. Shimmy Kasten is a a winger for them, scored the goal, uh, was very impressive. And uh, the rest of it was just an ugly game. And I will tell you, the three referees working that match did not help the fact that there was a lot of not much composure. Mm. They had no control over the game. Both linesmen multiple times pointed the literal pointed the wrong way on throw-ins. I mean, just completely missed them. Oh, um, so when you see things like that, it, it tends to get kind of irritating. So that was a tad frustrating. Excited for them to get their win. Um, Sunday was a much more fun match. Yeah, that that was a bit of a uh, of a of a blowout. The final was seven to two. Is that correct? Yeah. So they play Charlotte Eagles, and uh, the first goal was scored by the Charlotte Eagles in the first ten minutes of the match, and then they had a four goal explosion from like the thirty fifth minute on to halftime, and then managed to add a few more to the tally in the second half. And uh, gave up one again in like the last five minutes of the game. It was a really good shot. I'd have to give credit to whichever player for Charlotte Eagles scored it. Um, but yeah, there was a lot more offense on that. People scoring, getting on the end of crosses, um, making runs through the defense, um, some impressive dribbling. Two or three of those goals were really impressive passing sequences through the midfield. Um, gotcha. I, I joked to my wife that uh, Hankinson ought to bring the uh, the Red Wolves down to watch a match and let them see what it is he actually wants his midfield to be doing. 
So that's interesting that Charlotte Eagles, and you said it was Discoveries they played on Friday, right? Correct. Yeah, so Discoveries is actually a, I was reading up on them, they are a um, basically three different local um, academies in the Charlotte area combined together to create Discoveries. So you basically, Dalton played two different Charlotte teams at home. <laughs> and uh, the same weekend. I wonder if they traveled together. And I'm dead serious when I say that because they, you know, traveling for a League Two is not, you know, the cheapest thing not the in the easiest, world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, they, it, I wouldn't be surprised if USL did do something like that to try to help with uh, avoiding some costs. But no, they're right in the same area, which I, th- I found very interesting. Um, so you've got, yeah, you've got Discoveries, you've got the Charlotte Eagles. I think the Discoveries actually have a connection to the independence of USL Championship. I may be mistaken on that, but I believe they do while the Eagles are separate completely. So uh. so something to get excited about for the Dalton Red Wolves, and I'll mention again, if you have season tickets, bring your season ticket pass, you get in free. And uh, otherwise, it's $5 at the gate, which, I mean, you know, for a 7-2 to two offensive explosion, that's definitely worth the price of admission. They, uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, on the 23rd and the 25th, they are going to be playing SC United Bantams, I believe is the name of the team, and the other one is going to be Tormenta 2. Those are the two teams that are ahead of Dalton Red Wolves right now in the standings. So not only is it going to be good soccer because it's the top of the league squaring off, um, it's going to have a lot of effect on what's going to happen in those USL League 2 standings uh, when qualifying for playoff position. Um, 21st and the 23rd are those two dates. It's a Friday and a Sunday again. I mean, that's, that is still quite a bit of turnaround. And then, uh, in relation to the Chattanooga Rebels, I believe Adam Zide got his first goal in USL league two on Sunday as well. Is that correct? That is correct. And it was a, it was a good, um, coming on the end of a cross to put that in. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So there's not a lot Chattanooga Red Wolves wise to speak about because as I mentioned earlier, the game was rained out. Um, we've got our, um, Next game up in Richmond, another road game, trying to break the 450-minute scoreless drought that has happened for um, for the Red Wolves in league play away. Uh, what when you go and look at this game, what is it that you're you're expecting? I mean, it's not like the Richmond's playing the strongest right now. They've lost three of the last four. So if you go back to their U.S. Open Cup loss to North Carolina FC, they've got they're winless in their last five. So you feel like you're hitting them at the right time, but you wonder not being able to play the game last week and the struggles that they have had on the road, including already once at city stadium in Richmond, you just wonder how it's going to play out. At some point, they're going to be the team that they are at home on the road. It's going to happen at some point. You would think playing a team that's been struggling like Richmond has been struggling would help you get to that point. Um, but there's no, there's definitely no guarantee on that. One thing that actually I was, I thought was kind of to our advantage was, um, last night, not last night, but Saturday you were expecting Daniel Navarro, the new player that has come in for a short term loan to be making the start in on the back line. And, uh, I'm kind of excited that it wasn't, he flew, probably met the team in Statesboro would have had to jump out in the middle of the 
of the back line against that team, but instead he gets a week of training with the team and can kind of get to know folks, maybe even, I don't know, learn someone's name and uh, be ready to go in that in this match that said our best defender has been Zaguro who for the most part when you hear him on the field he doesn't say people's names he just kind of grunts loudly he goes hey yeah exactly so I don't know how important it is that he learns everyone's names um especially since most of the players back there um are just getting introduced to themselves because they've basically got a hodgepodge of ambulance holes there I mean Falvey was supposed to be basically a coach who occasionally played, and he's been integral for the last few games. Um, I think he's I think he's the one that more than likely Navarro uh, gives a rest to, if for no other reason for that very statement, to give a rest. Because, you know, in soccer years, being above the, th- the 30 line is already bad enough. When you're getting closer to 40 than 30, it, Don't it, I know it. going 90 is not going to be the easiest thing, no matter how great a shape you're in. Uh, unless you're, you know a European player that's coming over to play some MLS. Yeah, that's basically what it is. <laughs> and, you know, I will say this. He has looked really, really good while playing. Like, you can see, like, this the, the skill set is, it's just really, really good. Like, you watch him play and you're like, man, I bet you, and I know this is going to make him make me sound like I'm wishing he wasn't old, but he would have probably been a real blast to watch at 26, 27, 28, assuming he had the same soccer mind at that age that he does now. Yeah, very true. Um, you also most likely will see Jonathan Caparelli. He's had kind of a nagging hamstring injury that's that's kept him from being selected. And I think having another week now probably helps him be ready so that he can be a, either either a kind of change of pace as the wing back on that defensive line or um, or coming off the bench. So, do you expect to see what we've seen the last couple games with Zide coming off the bench? I do. I, You know, you wonder if they're going to say, well, he's had a couple of weeks of rest, and so now maybe we put him back in the starting lineup. I personally would, would like to continue to see what they've done with, maybe even with switching uh, Caparelli if he's healthy in Soto's position, having Caparelli, Beattie, and Yaya Sisi as the, uh, as the forward line. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. I think um, I personally think he's really thrived in that role. I think you mentioned this last week is that he has um, seemed like he's somewhat trying to save some energy earlier in the game. While when he comes in as that super sub, he's by far changing the pace uh, and putting a lot of energy in for that last 30 minutes. And I think it's it's been game changing, especially when you consider a lot of our games are close late. I mean, unfortunately, we even when we get a big lead, we seem to leak out some goals. And so right. it's really important to have that ability to kind of have that change of pace. And I think he brings it more than a, you know, you bring a change of pace of like a yaya off the bench, you know exactly what he's bringing, right? He's a speed guy, but... Zaid seems to seems in that sub role to be able to pull both off. Right, he was doing a lot of um, th- asking for a lot of through balls. He wasn't really doing the hold up play in the most recent game, but throughout throughout the season, he's shown the ability to be that hold it up, back the back the defender up, do a quick turn and shoot. So I really like him off the bench, and that's I agree. and that's not a knock on him either. Like I, I'm saying that with saying I still think he's one of our best players, but sometimes that's the best use of the player. Then let's do it. All right, so turning turning a little bit away from that, uh, well, before we go, we don't really do this, but I want to get an idea. What's the score that you're expecting? 
Score that I'm expecting, I would say a one nothing or a 2-1. It's a squeaker. And so you do have us winning it? <laughs> I'm just, just, oh. I'm just asking. Oh. It's I'm been 450 be minutes since we've scored, and you gave someone having two goals. I'm just saying. Can I, can I just leave that laying out there as a 50-50? It's a toss-up. It's going to be 2-1 somebody. All right. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to let you have that one. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Uh, I, I'm going to be more pessimistic. I think it's one nothing, and we lose it. I think we, we will stretch our, our scoreless streak to 540-plus minutes. That's that's my guess, unfortunately. So um, we'll leave it at that, and we're going to change change the pace a little bit. Uh, a little international soccer has been going on this past week. Um, I'm still going to hold off on talking about the women's game. I want to finish up with that because I think there's some really interesting stuff to talk about there. The game, we are recording this on Tuesday after the game that they had versus Thailand. So um, let's real quick talk about the fact that the sky is apparently falling, according to soccer Twitter, because um, the men's team... Uh, well, they look like the men's team. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that people are overreacting to things on Twitter? I know. It's 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 a weird change of pace. Um, but If yeah. people are really freaked out on Twitter, then you know it's something serious. I've learned that from looking at the Yahoo news feed. Uh, that's how I figure out if things are important. Uh, but no, so seriously, uh, what's your view on not only the outcome of these games, but even the selection of the teams, I mean, it's been a little weird. So, I I was not as dismayed at the loss to Jamaica. They wanted to, they had a lot of these younger guys, a lot of U23 type players into camp. They wanted to give them a chance to play in a game. So I understood what Coach Greg Berhalter was doing with that lineup that he put together. So, it... It obviously didn't work. To me, it was, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's put our best foot forward in this match against Venezuela and get ourselves a little bit of positive momentum going into the tournament. Here again, he, I think he tried to put his best team out there. There were still some health issues with Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney, uh, Tyler, or is it, I, don't, I might be confused. Either Tyler, Tyler Adams or Weston McKinney was there, but not quite fit. And the other one was still en route to join the team for the Gold Cup. Yeah, I think I think Adams was there and McKinney okay. wasn't. Uh, I'm I am efforting that as well. My issue, my issue with it was the fact that the back line and the goalkeeper seemed to be on two completely. I'm talking specifically about the Venezuela game. It's like they were playing two completely different styles, and that really really confused me. So. Here again, I was really, really disappointed in the effort that the men's national team put in against Venezuela. I mean, any team coming from South America, they're they're not necessarily a pushover. It's not a Caribbean team, but we are talking about a Venezuelan team that has never qualified for the World Cup. So it's not as though they're equal to Colombia or Argentina or even Chile. Um, what has me the most worried, I think, out of all of this is... Zach Steffen's our number one best American goalkeeper. Are we sure about that? Yeah, he made some pretty bad decisions. Uh, the first goal, first off, was offsides. Let's just go ahead and say that because I've triple watched it. It's 100% an offsides goal. But even then, he created that goal like on his yes. own. 
completely. He created that goal. He's out of position for the setup that's coming towards him in the second goal. I'm wondering if it's just he's yeah, um, if he's just not used to the competition level. I mean, it's going to be even worse that you're sitting on the bench for Man City for a year. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, he had a he had a situation like that against Jamaica that just didn't result in a goal. They got lucky that whatever happened, it didn't end up scoring. But he had the same kind of terrible giveaway on a pass that was sent back to him that he was trying to distribute. Yeah, I was. <clears throat> I joked to you that uh, it's going to be funny in those three matches he's going to get to play in in the early rounds of the League Cup with Manchester City, and the rest of the time he's going to be sitting on the bench as as the backup for whoever it is that Man City has. Uh, maybe they'll get Joe Hart back. I don't know. I wonder if he'll even be the backup. I wonder if he's going to end up being third string, which is even worse because you have to be there, but you never suit up. Like I have a feeling he's going to be that guy. So for our, t- our Arsenal last year, that was Martinez, and I think that's what you're going to see happening here. Is he's going to be the third goalkeeper, the backup during the FA Cup and during whatever energy drink they name the cup after this next one. I wonder if it'd be Carabao again. But um, oh, is Carabao an energy drink? I yeah. never even knew what it was. But yeah, it's an it's an Asian based energy drink. But yeah. Uh, no, so I think that's that's going to be one of the fears. I do want to mention that um, while searching for Tyler Adams, I've real, I discovered that about two hours before we started recording, he has been officially marked as injured for the Gold Cup and is out and being replaced by Reggie Cannon. So that's worse news. Um, yeah. But I, so my my biggest worry with a lot of this is going into this tournament. We're in a situation where I feel like the men's national team needs to kind of assert their authority. They they can't say to themselves, well, we'll play ourselves into shape and, you know, these first two games are going to be pretty simple for us. And then we'll have our best team ready to go when we play Panama to get into the later rounds. Like, I want to see them go beat Guiana seven to nothing with their best players. That's what I would prefer to see. If you want to get casual American fans interested in what American soccer's doing, they need to curb stomp some of these other teams that they're playing against rather than win a 2 nothing game where it's everything's kind of nervy or they give up the first goal and then who knows what's going to happen after that. So I'm going to completely and totally disagree with you here. I could care less about getting the casual fan interested in the game. We've already got the World Cup in 2026. What's the advantage of that versus preparing us to actually be um, competitive in the World Cup in 2022? Like That should be our end game, and I don't think that what we've been doing is doing that. That's what I'm having a hard time following because the other example I'll use, and I mentioned this to you before, Gideon Zidane, or Zidane, I could never pronounce his name correctly, who was an Arsenal player... For the, he's a U.S. guy who played for Arsenal, got multiple injuries, never really broke back in, has been sitting on the bench for Kansas City and Swoop Park. Like He can't even get on on the B side. Has been called up for men's national team U23 team. Like Granted, it's when there's actually not even a game scheduled, but the fact that you're even including a guy who can't break in on a USL championship B team, that doesn't make any sense to me. And this is from someone who watched him play three years ago before his injuries and was like, this guy is good. He's a really, really strong holding midfielder. But, dude, 
he had major knee injuries back to back. He was out for almost a year and a half and he can't break through on a USL championship yet. We're bringing him into national team squads. That's the example of poor management that I'm seeing across the board. Um, I, I would add to that the the, the 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 other thing that was real big on Twitter on the, the players that were leaving off um, for this game that, that we didn't even carry with us. Um, my mind is blank on his name. So, uh, Josh Sargent. Yes, Sargent. I kept wanting to say soldier. <laughs> Always do that. Uh, you know, I'll start calling him general. But yeah, Josh Sargent. I don't have a problem with him being left off the squad he was left off of, but he should have been on the other one. Like, it's pick one and go with it. Leaving him off both is just like, what the heck? That makes no sense. I wonder if there was something that they saw in training. And, you know, I mean, there's been a ton of hype for this kid who has not, not ever played a professional match. I mean, it's exciting that he's signed with Werder Bremen and maybe something good is going to happen this fall. I wonder if there's something they saw in training that said, no, I don't know that this kid is ready. I mean, he definitely had zero impact. I don't think it was entirely his fault, but he had zero impact against Jamaica. Yeah, once again, I'm going to have to disagree. I mean... What's the point of keeping Zardis, who's doing nothing, when you have a chance to bring in the kid and have him do nothing but get more experience with the team? Like, pick pick a lane. If your goal is to win now, then build a win now team and put a team out there for win now and do stat- strategy that's win now. If your goal is to build for the future, then Sargent should be on the team. My issue is neither one of those. I don't have a problem with either one. I slightly would prefer building for the future because I don't care about the Gold Cup as much as I care about the World Cup and actually making it in. But... If you're not going to do that, then you should be beating Jamaica and you should be beating Venezuela because you're putting out your best foot forward. That's the that's my issue. Yeah, I I mean I I want to see them win games. So, and games that matter. And I know a lot of people poo-poo the Gold Cup, which is fine. It's, you know, it's definitely not the strongest of the continental tournaments. But go out there and win it. Put your Put your team out there, get a winning streak going, build a little bit of confidence in the in the entire organization, I think. Yeah, I can see the value in like that. I, I'm on the other side of it, but I see where you're, where you're coming from. All right, so let's switch up to the team that actually really does matter right now. Uh, first game for the women was today. Um, it was a squeaker. Uh, they barely got by the team from Thailand, 13-0. to what was your thought on the way in which that game was handled? Oh, we've got an update. Um, they actually just scored another one. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I don't know much about the Thailand women's national team. I'm going to safely assume that this may be the first time they've qualified for a women's World Cup. We've only played them one other time. It was 2016. We won 9 nothing. 9 nothing. So... So good improvement, <laughs> obviously. We had some things that we had to work on, and we ironed out those issues and uh, were able to score four more goals than we did the last time we played them. The Oh, I just got another update. I think they scored again. That, um, seems, that seems likely. So I'm sure a lot of people are not thrilled at them kind of running up that score, but... I mean, this is big girl soccer. You got to go out there and and play your hardest, and and I think it puts them in a really good position going into their match with Sweden. As long as they don't stumble against Chile, that they're uh, most likely going to be looking at a good goal differential that keeps them in first place in the group. So they've been. This is their second World Cup. They made it in 2015. Um, they you know went out in the in the group stage. Um, 
This is, is Thailand you're talking about? Yeah, this is not actually Thailand's worst loss. Uh, they lost 15 nothing to North Korea in 1998. Um, and they're, here's the other thing that's interesting. Apparently, they shouldn't be upset because they beat Laos 14-1 to back in 2012. So uh, it's gone both directions for them on that. Uh, I will say, though, here's where I stand on this. I get the argument of goal differential that people are trying to make. It's if 13 to nothing, if 9 nothing or 10 nothing is not enough to handle goal differential, I just don't get it. I'm sorry. 13 to nothing is ridiculous. And to add to it, I I watched the first 3 goals, so I was done about 30 minutes in, and this kind of comes back to what I talked about before about the Women's World Cup is the fact that it is more competitive now than it was back when we were very dominant in the late 90s, early 2000s, is that it's not fun to watch a blowout like that. It's just not. like Even the first 30 minutes of watching, it was boring. Like Legitimately, they had their entire defense basically in the box, and we were still passing around them like they weren't even there. Like It, it was just not fun to watch. But here's my issue. I went back to look at when they scored. They were still scoring in the extra time in the final 90, like their last goal was in the 92nd minute. I'm sorry. That's, that's running a score up. And that would, that just seems wrong to me. Like I have no problem with, with winning it handily. You have to do that, but there's a difference between winning it handily and embarrassing another team. And you were embarrassing them. And the embarrassing part isn't even the goals. I want watch the highlights, right? They're still celebrating. Like it's the first goal of the game on their 10th and 11th goals. Like it's, they're still acting like it's the greatest thing ever that they're scoring on this team that they're destroying. And that's also unsportsmanlike. I'm sorry. It just is. And it was, it was a little frustrating. Like even the first goal that was scored, like the celebrations you had, like you literally had one that you scored earlier. They got taken back for an offsides and you have already shot on them six times. No one doubts this game and you're celebrating like you're playing against France or Germany in the final. Like it, I'm sorry. I, I was not impressed by that when it comes to the sportsmanship side. That's fair enough. I had to work late, and so I have not had a chance to watch the game. So I cannot comment on any of that sort of thing. I may or may I not will have been go back watching it at work. Not necessarily leaning on the uh, – you know, we're not all salary here, bud. So leaning – on the, I don't want to lean on the goal differential crutch, but I am going to lean on the. This is big girl soccer, competitive soccer. Everyone gets really, really frustrated when we say, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe we give eight-year-olds a trophy, even though they don't win." And then we get mad when these adults go out there to play a match. Oh, I can't believe we're embarrassing them like that. Well, they're adults; they can handle it. Why are we mad about giving an eight-year-old? I, I just that. That sort of mindset just kind of irritates me sometimes, and I, it's not necessarily your mindset. But it's it's big girl soccer, and if there's those kind of things happening, maybe they need to look at the number of people they're allowing into the World Cup. No, and I think that I think that's fair to a point. Um, I, I just here these are the, the the goals that I have issue with, starting with Alex Morgan's fourth, eighty first minute, uh, Pooh in the eighty. Pugh in the 84th, Morgan again in the 87th, and Lloyd in the 92nd. So you're scoring one, two, well, there's a 79th from from um, uh, 
Megan Rapinoe as well. So you've got 79, 81, 87, 84, 92. So five of your 13 goals are scored in the last 11 minutes. Like, I don't know. I think at that point... I mean, tactically, they should be talented enough that they can take the foot off the break. They can possess the ball. That it's not the same as, like, I've got a breakaway at the goalkeeper and I'm turning 360 and all of a sudden passing it back. So I, I see what you're saying there. Like they should be able to kind of just salt the game away, possess the ball, pass it around the back, work it up the wings a little, send it back around. It reminded me of an early league Europa League game that Arsenal had where they were up four or five nothing and our players are running to the corner in like the 75th minute and they're kicking it around and they're kicking it around the back line because you you know you're going to go on, right? You know right. you're making it to the next level. Um, you've already you've already got a five nothing lead. They could have easily scored six, seven, eight, but why humiliate the other team? That's my only thing. Like Thailand's not going to be a problem. Chile's not going to be a problem. Top two go through. I don't know. I, so I see that, but then then here again, and it's even more with professional soccer players in the Europa League. Oh, why humiliate that guy? And that goes back to so many of these old folks that are just like, you know, oh, why do we give an eight-year-old a trophy for second place? We should be, like, beating them with a rubber hose because they lost and make them know what it's like to feel like they're a loser. And then it's like, oh, we can't humiliate that professional soccer player making hundreds of thousands of dollars to play a game. I will say, however, that it is fun to look at the stats, uh, even though I'm not a huge fan of how they run it up. Listen to some of these stats. Shots, 40 let that sink in for a second. 40 to 2. On target, 20 to 2. Possession, 73 to 27. Passes, 649 to 256. <laughs> Just 10 like corners one of to my, zero. It's like one of my FIFA games when I was still playing on amateur. Yeah, it, it, it's just... Yeah, I mean, it's quite, quite a route. It's just kind of... Like, legitimately, like, it's when my son plays and picks... Um, Arsenal, and he like picks a US or not USL, but a a League Two team that I've never heard of, and he's like, "Dad, I'm winning eight nothing." I'm like, "Yeah, you're playing. Who are you playing? Like, I don't even. <laughs> who is that? Like, I don't even recognize those letters. Like, yeah. So, anyways, that's that was my view of it. I do I do want to say I don't know if you can even judge what this what it's going to be like off it. Like, I I was watching. Really to see like how different will this look than the two warm up games that I had watched recently, like how different will the team look because there is a difference of being in the game. And I will say playing Thailand first definitely will break some of that pressure for him a little bit. Um, I'll be interested to see how the next game goes, but I was hoping to get a better idea of what how they will how they'll look in a game like this. You have no idea because it was that lopsided. I mean, it legitimately would be. You know that that classic Alabama U- UTC game, like it was just obvious that they were not supposed to be on the field together. That's kind of unfair to UTC, but <laughs> have you seen some of those scores? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. It's basically Oregon's pre-conference schedule every year, so <laughs> it'll be interesting. So Chile lost to Sweden two nothing. So I think you're going to see a better test. Still could be a dominant win for them. Um, I think you're right. There's really it's hard to to judge anything based on that first match. Yeah, I I, uh, I am very much uh, interested in seeing how what Sweden does with them. 
on Sunday? Like, will they do the same thing as they feel the need to try to get the goal differential? Um, like, how will that end up, you know, playing out? Because that, that I think is, that'll be interesting to see. Like, will they do the same thing to him? Are you ready for a zag? Here's a, here's a take for you. The United States made a mistake in going for that huge goal differential. And now, even if they were to tie Sweden, they, on goal differential, are going to be forced to be in first place and have to face France in the next round, as opposed to finishing second in the group and being drawn. I don't know who they would end up facing in that in that bracket. But it <laughs> seems like it's funny in this one, Sweden's probably like, oh, okay, go ahead. We'll finish second and we'll face you know Italy or Germany or someone that we might have a better chance of competing against than France, who's the other tournament favorite. If the U.S. finished first and France finished first, they're going to face off in the quarterfinal round. So you'd rather be the two, in all honesty. Because who would the two face? The two would face the winner of Group E, Canada, Cameroon, Australia, uh, New Zealand. Canada, Cameroon, New Zealand, and Netherlands. Well, the Netherlands is strong, aren't they? Maybe not. I think so. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, you just got to win the games in front of you. At some point, you're going to end up having to face France, or you won't. Right, but if you can have somebody else be the one that Miracle upsets them, then that makes your path a lot easier. So you want to face those teams as late as possible. Which, by the way, uh, I watched the England-Scotland game, and... um, my son comes in and he's like, uh, who are we rooting for, Dad? And I was like, well, neither, I guess, is the answer. And he goes, so why are you watching? I was like, well, I, I'm kind of rooting for Scotland. <laughs> and he goes, but they're losing, Dad. I'm like, yeah, I'm aware. And he goes, uh, isn't Arsenal from England? I said, yes. He goes, okay, I'm going to root for England. I was like, mm. <laughs> I like that. See, my son would never ask about why I was watching a game that I wasn't rooting for anyone. He already knows why. Because I have a disease. <laughs> yeah, that's, that seems accurate. All right, guys. I want to thank you again for listening to us be idiots. Because um, that's what we do best. We also want to say thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press. The best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. And also thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. See you guys on the other side. Bye. There it is. I was like, I'm not stopping until I get that. Did you know that cornhole is also called bags? I didn't. Why would they call it that? Because uh, I guess it's for bean bags being tossed. I, I don't know. It was called and and there's also bago is another name for it apparently. Well, that's what I'm calling it from now on. What bago? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there was like a whole article in the Chicago newspaper um, about. Uh, should we start calling bags cornhole like the rest of the country? I guess the Midwest, that's what they call it. It's bags or bago. Which, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, yes, is the we, answer uh, to that. get ourselves a pop and play some bago. Yeah. <laughs> At least if they say they're going to have a barbecue, it's not just hot dogs.
true. 